For those of you that don't know me, my name is Janelle, and I get to be on the pastoral staff here, and I absolutely love it. I've been married to my high school sweetheart now for almost 25 years, and we have two girls and one son-in-law. Um, we recently became empty nesters when our youngest daughter moved to Hawaii to do YWAM, and this has been a bit of an identity crisis, at least for me, and so at this point, I'm literally counting the moments till I get to be a grandma someday. Anyone who knows me knows that I am the preparation queen. I prepare for everything. And when I say everything, I mean I even prepare to clean my house. I'm good at it. It makes me feel accomplished. And believe it or not, it even makes me feel more relaxed. So I prepare to prepare. If anything in this last year has taught me, it's that all preparation has been thrown out the window. I can't prepare for anything when I don't know what tomorrow will bring. And I also can't prepare for things when all of my preparations have been canceled one right after the other. This reminds me of the wilderness that Pastor Aaron talked about last week. And I feel like we are currently in the longest wilderness, wilderness of our human existence. Exactly a year ago, the schools were shut down, our kids were sent home, and we were told it would be about two weeks and they were pretty much just gonna get an extended spring break. Um, my kids were super thrilled, I'm sure yours were too, until we got to about week four when they were missing school and they were missing their routines and their sports and their social lives. And this all of a sudden didn't just feel like another snow day. We couldn't prepare for any of that. As much as I wanted to, we just couldn't. But this is something that I've been learning. Is it possible that we get so busy preparing for the many things of this world that we can miss the one thing that we were created to prepare for? Luke 10, 38 through 42. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where, where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said, but Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. I am a really good Martha. I can Martha all over everyone and everything. Don't hear me wrong. I'm not saying that we shouldn't prepare for things or that preparing is a bad thing. But what I am saying is we can't prepare so much that we miss the most important preparation. Right now we're in the season of Lent. Thankfully it's only for 40 days and not a year. And I, I've heard about Lent before. Growing up, I heard um, kids talk about it. I knew it was always a time before Easter. I knew it was also a time where people gave things up. And as a kid, it always kind of just sounded to me like uh, maybe it was a new trendy diet or it was bragging rights, like I'm gonna out Lent you 
or it was something legalistic that their parents were just making them do. And really, to be honest, even as an adult, a lot of times it still sounds very much the same. But participating in Lent this year for me for the first time has been this amazing new way to prepare my heart for what's to come. I know what Easter is. I grew up in the church. I understand the significance of the day. I also know that I get a new outfit and we dye Easter eggs and there's usually balloons and all things pastel colors. The piece that I was missing though was the preparation of getting to the resurrection the celebration at the end of this season. If the purpose of Lent is to sacrifice something worldly, to make room for something more spiritual, then it has to be a sacrifice. When we feel what it's like to walk through a wilderness or a really dry, hot, humid desert, it's that much more exciting when we get to the end and we get to the celebration. Lent is the preparation of our hearts towards Jesus, and it is the right posture, and it is choosing what is better. If trusting Jesus, it's trusting Jesus to be all that he is promised to be in our lives. And one of those promises is our big picture for today, and that is Jesus wants to be our daily bread, which leads us to the passage where Jesus talks about how he does that. My first point is Jesus desires to be our everlasting diet. Let's look at this passage out of John 6, 25 through 29. They found him on the other side of the lake and asked, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. You want to be with me because I fed you, not because you understood the miraculous signs. But don't be so concerned about perishable things like food. Spend your energy seeking the eternal life that the Son of Man can give you. For God the Father has given me the seal of his approval. They replied, we want to perform God's works too. What should we do? Jesus told them, this is the only work God wants from you. Believe in the one he has sent. Notice that Jesus doesn't tell them why he came. He tells them why they came. They wanted more of the bread and they wanted this miracle worker to splash out miraculous signs and wow them. They wanted the food that perishes. The people that were following Jesus around while he was doing his ministry had worked really hard to follow him, but yet they were still convinced that more bread and things of this world would satisfy them. But Jesus wants our labor to be for everlasting life. If we're walking down the street and we see two doors, one says free food, free money, and the other one says free spiritual fulfillment and eternal life, which door do you choose? Jesus isn't calling us to free food and free money. He's calling us to eternal life. But in our human nature, we will always lean towards the free food and the free money. We lean towards the temporary. The truth is that God wants us leaning towards the eternal, which is our everlasting diet. Jesus doesn't want a working relationship with us. He doesn't want to be a box that we check and he doesn't wanna be a ribbon that we hang on our wall. He wants our hearts every day because he's the truth and he is the way to live. Just the same that as a parent, I want my children to be obedient 
But at the end of the day, the most important thing to me is a relationship and a mutual respect with them. God wants the same pattern of relationship with us. Our faith is the foundation for works that truly pleases God. Jesus first and foremost commanded them and us not to do, but to trust. If we want to do the work of God, it begins with trusting Jesus. Our faith is kind of like making bread. First, you have um, a ball of dough, which is basically just flour, salt, yeast, and water. And then you have to trust that the yeast is going to work and the dough is going to rise. And then once it's risen and you finally get to put it in the oven, you have to trust that what comes out of the oven is a beautiful loaf of homemade bread. Why does this process seem so easy for us to trust in? But the process with Christ is so difficult. The first step that we have to take is accepting that Jesus is who he claims to be. All spiritual development is built on this affirmation. Sounds easy, right? But this goes against everything in the world and every human fiber of our bodies. I would offer this, that our constant exercise in faith is the most important and difficult part to our obedience to Christ. It's like this. I generally exercise about five times a week. And when the gyms were shut down in mid-November again, it was really hard to exercise because now it was cold, dark, and wet. And I hate everything cold, dark, and wet. So exercising outside is not really a great option for me. So within about two weeks, I noticed my muscles slowly fading away. My clothes didn't fit the same. And here comes back what we call COVID fluff or COVID-15 or however you refer to it. Because to build muscle and endurance, we have to exercise daily. This is the exact same thing as exercising our faith. Jesus isn't looking for Sunday believers. He's looking for disciples who know him and who have chosen eternal life with him. So the first thing is Jesus wants to be, Jesus desires to be our everlasting diet. Second point is Jesus desires to be our complete satisfaction. John 6, 30 through 34, they answered, show us a miraculous sign if you want us to believe in you. What can you do? After all, our ancestors ate manna while they journeyed through the wilderness. The scriptures say Moses gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said, I tell you the truth, Moses didn't give you bread from heaven. My father did, and now he offers you the true bread from heaven. The true bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, give us that bread every day. How many of you perfected bread during COVID? And how many of you were on the hunt for flour and yeast in every grocery store? And how many of you got all of your friends and family to also hunt for flour and yeast in every grocery store? I went to Idaho during that time and even hunted for flour and yeast while I was in Idaho. Because you don't get bread without flour and yeast. I perfected bread during COVID, like so many of you. 
So I brought it to show you how beautiful it is. And maybe if you have a really good smeller, you can actually smell it too. I do believe with everything that I am, that homemade bread is a gift from heaven sent directly to us that we get to enjoy while we're here on earth. I believe that with my whole heart. And it's, it's something that when you're baking, it smells up the entire house so much so that when my kids come through the door, they're immediately on the hunt for the bread that just came out of the oven. One of my most fond memories of my grandma is her homemade bread. She made the best bread. It had this shiny, buttery, perfectly golden top that was so perfect. And every time I went to her house, she always had this bread. We ate toast together. We ate a lot of this bread and it was so amazing. To this day, none of us have ever been able to perfect grandma's bread. There is no recipe. She didn't cook with recipes, but I bet even if there was a recipe that we wouldn't be able to make it as good as her because she just had a way of making it perfect. See, no matter how hard we try to satisfy ourselves with the bread of this world, it will never match God's perfect bread. It's just not the same. Did you know that bread is mentioned 492 times in the original languages of the Bible? So it's obviously really important. I'm really sorry, all the gluten-free people, my heart breaks for you, truly. It's mentioned in the Lord's Prayer, Matthew 6, 11, give us today our daily bread. Matthew 26, 26, while they were eating, Jesus took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples saying, take and eat, this is my body. 1 Corinthians 5, 8, therefore let us keep the festival, not with the old bread leavened with malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. John 21, 9, when they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Acts 2, 46, every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. There's a lot more, but you get the point. I just find it really interesting that Jesus uses the analogy of bread to compare it to himself. He obviously knew, even back then, how amazing homemade bread was and that it would satisfy us and that we would want it every day. But the thing that Jesus is trying to get across is as good as all that homemade bread is that we could eat every day, Jesus is saying, come to me, I am that much better. Which brings me to my third point. First, Jesus desires to be our everlasting diet. Second, Jesus desires to be our complete satisfaction. And third, Jesus desires to be our relational pivot. John 6, 35 through 36. Jesus replied, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty, but you haven't believed in me even though you have seen me. When we stand firm on Jesus at the center and pivot in all directions, we are tethered to him at all times. 
Let me address the elephant in the room so that your brain can move on and we can get back to the message that I've worked really hard on because I know that all of you are only thinking about the Friends episode with Ross and the couch yelling, pivot, pivot, pivot. I know, it's really funny. I laugh every time I watch the episode. It's one of the best Friends episodes there is. But let me explain to you why this word is so helpful in explaining the passage. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Jesus explained that the one who comes to him, that is, receives him and believes in him, will find their spiritual hunger satisfied in him. That as long as we stay with Jesus relationally, coming to him daily, I can pivot to everything else that comes my way. This verse shouldn't be a confusing statement. Since Jesus is the bread of life, we are invited to come to him and to believe in him. Faith in Christ is simply and truly described as coming to him. It's not an obstacle course on American Ninja Warrior that only the strongest will succeed. It is coming to Christ. It's not a PhD degree that only the top of the class will graduate. It's simply coming to Christ. A child comes to their parent. A pet comes to their master. Coming is a very simple action. Merriam Dictionary defines come as to move towards something. When we exercise our daily bread with Jesus and come to him, he does the work on the inside, which looks very different than the external work that we see when we work out in a gym. But when we come to Christ daily, it transforms who we are on the inside, which comes out externally on, in return. As I look back on the last season of COVID and the stay-at-home orders and all the bread making, I believe that one of the gifts of COVID is the amount of bread that we broke around my dinner table. Honestly, it was almost every day. I think I made bread every meal except for Mexican because bread pretty much goes with everything. And between my, my husband and my son-in-law, there's never a dull moment. At one point, after the restrictions had lifted a little bit, we had some friends over for dinner and um, I made spaghetti and bread and salad. And we were uh, sitting around the table and one little butter dish that sat on the table became the center of our conversation. And as their kids were spreading the butter on that fresh homemade hot bread, one of them asked, how do you get soft butter? And at first I thought, maybe this is a trick question. Is this more difficult than it really is? But I simply just said, well, I put the butter on the dish and it gets soft. This blew their mind. They had never seen or heard of soft butter that just spreads smoothly on your hot bread or spreads smoothly on pancakes. Who puts cold butter on pancakes? It doesn't even work. Their son was so excited about this whole thing that he yelled out, this feels like Thanksgiving. <laughs> I have personally transformed this family's life because they now own their very own butter dish with soft butter. If our biggest preparation is our relationship with Jesus and he is our daily nutrition and exercise, then the people that we have sitting around our table breaking bread with and sharing life with are the lives worth living for. 
The closer we are to Jesus, the better our relationships are with people because we can love them with the love of Jesus. When we come to Jesus and let him do the work on the inside, our relational beeper is through the roof because our cup is full enough to overflow into other people and we are truly breaking the daily bread of life together. Godly legacies are built when we bring the life of Christ to our table of relationships. When I was young, our family relational pivot was always at my grandparents' house until our family got big enough and my grandparents got old enough that it was moved to my parents' house until our family got big enough and my parents got older that that relational pivot was moved to mine and my brother's houses. Jesus is that relational pivot for us in all things. He will never, we will never outgrow him. He will never get too old for us. And as long as we start with him, it makes things so much easier. So be a Martha. Prepare to invite people in on your journey. Bake the bread to share with others while still preparing to show them what it means to make Jesus our daily bread. I'll conclude with this. St. Augustine said, If you have made us for yourself, O Lord, our hearts are restless until they rest in you. Our relationship with Christ is a process on a journey. And I wish I could tell you that if you do A, B, and C, you're going to have it made. I grew up in a church. Most of my large family know and love Jesus. And even in all of that, there are many days I don't break my daily bread in Christ. The bread of this world is such a yummy gift that's been given to us. But the sweetest of gifts is the gift of eternal life in Christ that's been freely given to us, not manipulated on us, not forced on us, just given. The eternal bread of Christ is a gift. It's the right posture and it's choosing what is better. As good as the bread of this world is, it will never compare to what Jesus offers us because he is the bread of life. 